Hey peeps, Chip here to tell you about Real Talk Memphis, the podcast, a new name for the same great show. So join me for great guests with great talk. It's Mondays, 6 to 7 p.m. on WYXR 91.7 FM, the TuneIn app, WYXR.org, or wherever you get your podcast. Now, go ahead and tell somebody. And it is 6 o'clock on Monday, March 15th, 2021. Now it's time for you to sit back, relax, eat your favorite food, and listen to the best radio talk show out here at this time, right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Real Talk Memphis starts now. With your main chip Washington. When it comes to information, the main got an arsenal. Bring you up to speed with what you need. He's a local and nationwide news feed. Let's talk about it. Dialect to do something about it. Chip got the flow wide open if you got questions about it. Man, it's the show that brings you to your raw. To solve all problems, it starts with real talk. Real talk. And the best part of a Monday, especially Monday at 6 p.m., is Real Talk Memphis. I am your humble host, Chip Washington. Very happy to be here. And if you are out there, I'm very happy about that as well. Joining me in the studio, Adam is producing tonight. Marquette is here as well, associate producing. My gang, these are my dudes, my guys, my fellas, my boys. We're all in the house together, and we hope you are as well. Um... I hope that you have had a good seven-day period since the last time we were able to uh, get together and, and chat about a few things. Uh, we got a few things going on out here, that's for sure. We'll try to see if we can't digest a few of them before this hour of fine radio broadcasting is up. This is 91.7 WYXR on the FM dial. And if you are listening to us now, hey, live, that's great. I appreciate that. You can also catch us on the TuneIn app. Just put in WYXR in the search, hit play, and boom, there you are. Or go to the station website, which is WYXR.org. You can hear us live. And uh, we are a podcast, so you can uh, pick us up, Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever it is you get your podcast. Uh, We're happy to be here today. It's uh, been a long day, but look. We started out with rain this morning and wound up with an absolutely beautiful spring-like afternoon. It's gorgeous outside, and of course, we did lose an hour of sleep, and when you get my age, these things matter. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to adjust to that, but we'll get past it. Uh, I think I have a pretty good show for you this evening, and I hope that you can stick with us uh, for uh, all of it. Actually, I'm being greedy when I say that. The Melvin Burgess is the... Shelby County property assessor, he will chat with us in a few minutes. It's that, you know, I don't know if you get those things in the mail about it's time to talk reappraisal. You know, the value of your property, your home, things like that. You know, he'll give us the ins and outs about what that process is all about and how, in the end of the day, it might even be financially beneficial to you. We'll also speak with Mauricio Calvo. Mauricio is the executive director of Latino Memphis, and we're going to have a a serious conversation about the Hispanic and Latinx communities and their fear of uh, getting not only tested for the COVID virus, but uh, even the vaccine. There's a lot of variables that go along with that, and that is a very 
underserved population, and they're also a population uh, that has uh, paid a pretty stiff price in terms of uh, death uh, as a result of COVID. So we'll talk to him about that. And in the second half hour, we're going to shift our attention to food. Uh, we're going to talk to Chef D. Arthur, or, you know, he, he is, uh, that, that is his, that is his professional name. Uh, he is uh, someone who uh, many of you know. He's a caterer. He's got his own business. He's a private chef for a lot of uh, not only uh, sports teams, but uh, athletes uh, in and of themselves. And he was recently a candidate or a contestant, rather, on the Food Network show Chopped. He got chopped. He didn't mean he didn't make it to quite the end of it. He got chopped. We'll talk about that, his business, and how he keeps all of these things together and how he keeps himself going. So hopefully you'll think that's a good show. Uh, if you are celebrating a birthday, anniversary, or a special occasion, as always, congratulations to you. I know there were a lot of birthdays uh, over the weekend, and uh, many folks celebrate today. And, you know, it's interesting if you go on Facebook a lot of folks don't mind telling you it's their birthday. I mean, a lot of people, I think, first of all, we're all thankful if we can make it for another year uh, or to another year. And a lot of folks are uh, don't have a problem letting you know that, especially on, <laughs> on social media. And in particular, that cash app deal that they're always talking about, too. So, yeah, it's always a motive. But anyway, if you're celebrating a birthday anniversary or any special occasion, congratulations to each and every one of you. Uh, we did have a, a notable death over the weekend. I don't know how many of you are boxing fans. Uh, I am a huge boxing fan. And uh, we lost the marvelous Marvin Hagler. Uh, died Saturday. He was 66 years old. I uh, do not have a cause of death. But uh, he was one of the greatest middleweights to ever put on a pair of boxing gloves. And, of course, his three-round fight with Tommy Hearns will go down in history as one of the greatest uh, three rounds of, of boxing ever. So, uh, you know, we uh, uh, we pay our condolences to to him, his family, and 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 all of those marvelous Marvin Hagler, what a guy! Uh, we are still celebrating International Women's Month. It continues; it's the entire month of March. So, again, if you've not uh, paid your respects uh, to the women in your life or your world. As this is International Women's Month, you should do that. You still have uh, about half a month to do that. And uh, the month of March is also Social Workers Month. I just found that out today. So if you are a social worker or, or know a social worker or in that realm, because that's a tough job, uh, but it is a valuable and vital job that we need uh, social workers out here. It's Social Worker Month, so congratulations. We celebrate you uh, we honor you and we salute you, uh, social workers, all of you out there uh, as well. Some news and notes before we move into the uh, big broadcast. Of course, um, the big news here over the weekend and really the big news story that we've been dealing with um, here recently making more and more noise is this Bahia pipeline situation. Uh, a lot of folks uh, against this Bahia pipeline. I'll break that down for you in just a second. Uh, the former vice president of the United States, Al Gore, was here, uh, I believe it was yesterday, for a rally in South Memphis. He basically called the Bahia pipeline project a reckless, racist ripoff. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, he was not sparing any words and maybe showing his dislike for the project. You know, he is a big environmentalist these days. Uh, but uh, there were several hundred people that showed up yesterday to this rally. So basically what this is, is a 49-mile uh, long pipeline that would be primarily built under low-income, predominantly black communities in South and Southwest Memphis. Uh, the company that's in charge of the project, Valero and Plains, have said it will help the local economy, but neighbors and other concerned citizens are worried about their drinking water that could be contaminated and just basically just the destruction of a very long and storied neighborhood. Um, it's, uh, it, it, like I said before, it's, it's, it's a big, big deal around here. Both mayors, county and city, uh, have expressed their displeasure in the project. 
the city Memphis City Council and the Shelby County commissioners are also going to weigh in on this. They have some decisions to make, and I don't think as of right now they're not too happy with this either. You have a lot of politicians locally who are involved in this project saying, no, we don't need this, we don't want this, we, we don't want anybody messing with our water, our aquifer. And uh, so stay, you know, just keep, keep tuned on this one because this is, uh, like I said, it has gotten some serious legs. And next week I'm going to have a guest or try to have a guest who uh, represents uh, the organization fighting against the Bahia Pipeline so we can uh, dig in and talk a little bit more about that. Uh, also, um, Weather's getting warmer now. Folks are starting to, you know, come out of their cocoons and, you know, not only just the winter cocoon, but the COVID cocoon as well. And want to get out and about and want to start doing some things. Some states are opening up, as we all know. Mississippi has opened up uh, with no restrictions. Texas has. If you've seen the news, uh, the airports are getting packed once again. Uh, folks are heading to Florida, down to the Gulf Coast, wherever they can get some sun and fun, and they're in a mask within 500 miles. So um, I think that people uh, are they have maybe hadn't forgotten that COVID is still here because COVID is still here. Uh, but uh, I think folks are just tired. They're very, very, very tired. Uh, there are variants out here, ladies and gentlemen, that could cause some problems and uh, the federal government is already talking about a possible third or fourth wave with these variants out here. So all I would say to you is just exercise some caution. And more importantly, if the vaccination is is uh, is, is happening wherever it is you live, go get your shot. I got my first one. I'm going to get my, my second one here in another week and a half or so. Get yourself protected. This is what it's all about, okay? The more people we get vaccinated, the more people we can be protected, the more we can, you know, hopefully, you know, get herd immunity, which may, which basically means that the more people who are protected, the less people will have the uh, chance to get uh, this virus. But in the meantime, COVID has not gone anywhere yet. And if we want to achieve any kind of a sense of normalcy between uh, maybe, you know, late next year, early next year, we need to do our part. Go get vaccinated if you've not done so. By the way, Mississippi announced that today, the state of Mississippi, that tomorrow every citizen in the state of Mississippi will be eligible to get a shot, a vaccine. Every citizen, pay attention now, in the state of Mississippi starting tomorrow, every citizen will be eligible to get a vaccine shot. So, uh, if that uh, does anything to change your mind uh, in reference to your feelings about all of this, you might want to uh, take advantage of that situation. I mean, no restrictions, no anything. I guess, you know, they're trying to they're, they're moving fast to try to get back to, you know, what we all used to remember as a as a normal life. Um, and finally, before I go <laughs> to my first break, uh, I. Did y'all watch the Grammys last night? Grammy Awards last night. I I I watched the show and I I made a post on Facebook that said, "Yeah, I'm 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 old because I promise you I don't know I didn't know any of those groups last night. I didn't know any of those singers, or you know, very few of those performers. However, Anderson Pack and uh, Bruno Mars." Uh, have a new little group together, and they have a new single out, um, which if you've not heard it, it's really, really smooth, and it's really, really a nice song. I was told that our own Cameron Whalen um, is uh, participating in that project, and uh, he was actually on the Grammys last night. Um, they were they sang the song live, and, and Cameron was on the show last night, so shout out to Cameron Whalen from Memphis, Tennessee. Shout out Memphis, Tennessee in the house. Also, congratulations to Bobby Rush. The blues legend won his second uh, Grammy Award in his long and illustrious career last night. So uh, congratulations to him. Uh, Beyonce is now the all-time, all-time. In the history of the uh, Grammy Awards, which goes back 63 years, um, with last night's victory, she has now earned 28 Grammy Awards. Um, and uh, th- that 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 basically uh, makes her the most winningest female artist and the most winning singer, male or female, in the 63-year history of the Grammy Awards. You go, girl. 
And uh, congratulations to her on uh, I didn't know that's a lot of awards. I'm a big Michael Jackson fan. If anybody really knows me, they know that about me. And I looked it up today. Michael won 13 Grammys, so she just smoked him. But in any event, congratulations uh, to her. And before I go, um, there was a song. Now, Megan V. Stallion last night, she won three Grammy Awards. Congratulations to her. And one of those was uh, with a uh, collaboration with Beyonce. And then uh, there was a song that she performed last night with Cardi B called WAP. W-A-P. That's all I said. <laughs> see, Marquette is laughing in the background, see. And I was watching, and you know how you, how you watch something that you just can't believe and your eyes get big and your mouth just drops, your jaw just drops? That was just me. I felt like after I saw that, I had to, like, take a shower, do something. I just had to, I mean, it was, ooh, it was interesting. Okay, stop laughing. On that note, <laughs> we're gonna go. We're gonna take our first break and get into the show. How about that? Uh, when we come back, we will talk to Melvin Burgess. This is Real Talk Memphis. I am Chip, your host. You know who you are. We'll take a quick break and we will be right back. If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. For middle school and high school students in Memphis, Bridge Builders Collaborate is the path to youth leadership. The summer is just the beginning of their year-long journey to strengthen their leadership skills, get involved in their community, and build connections and friendships that will benefit them for a lifetime. Rising 7th through 12th graders, the Bridge Builders Collaborate regular application deadline is Friday, April 9th. Learn more and apply online at bridgesusa.org apply. Support for WYXR comes from Crosstown Brewery. Now available, the Studio Session IPA, raised by sound, was brewed in collaboration with WYXR. A percentage of all sales benefit our station. For more information, visit crosstownbrewery.com. WYXR is brought to you in part by Archer Malmo, a Memphis-based marketing, digital, PR, and branding agency. Archer Malmo believes the greatest asset of any creative entity is its people and proudly supports WYXR for lifting up Memphis voices for the world to hear. More at archermalmo.com. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. And welcome back to Real Talk on this Monday. Monday, Chip Washington here uh, on uh, Real Talk Memphis. Uh, very happy to have you with us, and I'm very happy to have my first guest uh, with me tonight. Uh, I've known him for a long time, and as somebody said on Facebook when I posted that he was going to be on the show, that is a good man. Ladies and gentlemen, Melvin Burgess is um, my first guest. He is the Shelby County Assessor of Property. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing fine, Chip. Thanks for you know in, uh, inviting me to the show, and uh, I'm, I'm, I hadn't and I hadn't talked to you in a while, but it's good to hear your voice. And like you said earlier, you know we've known each other for a long time, and I really appreciate that friendship. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And uh-huh. before and before I go too far, before we even get into this, shout uh-huh. out to Sonia, and I know that she's listening, and I think a lot of your crew is probably in there as well. So shout out to exactly right. your, your <laughs> shout out to the entire Shelby County Assessor Property family. Okay, out there. I appreciate that, Chip. I, yes. I don't know what I'd do without him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so let's get into it. So, you know, we've, we've I got something in the mail, and I'm sure that many thousands of folks did, about uh, with a message that basically says, let's talk reappraisal. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, tell us what 
exactly is the reappraisal process? Okay, Chip. Uh, it's unfortunate, you know, by the state constitution here in the state of Tennessee, the only way that this county, all counties in Tennessee, a realized revenue is by way of property taxes. Mm -hmm. So therefore, each county is required to, to do a, a reappraisal. It's normally between four to six years, so we're on the four-year cycle. So the last time a reappraisal was done here in Shelby County was, 20, was 2017. Okay. So again, you know, it's required by law to reappraise all properties in Shelby County. So the first thing is that what we try to do, Chip, this is the chance for us to get it right. Because remember, we look at over 350,000 parcels, including land, buildings, wherever the case might be. And when I send you your notice, you know, the notice might say you got five bathrooms, but you only got three. It okay. makes a difference. Yeah, right, okay. So, you know, you know, our team, you know, they go out and do a, vis a visual inspection on all properties in Shelby County so that we can have you know, so the records can reflect each property's actual characteristics, such as square footage, story height, exterior wall type, garage, carport, and detached buildings. Also, we verified that all property transfers that occur in the marketplace. And also, uh, we, you know, we work with MAR, which is the Memphis Association of Area Realtors, and NARAB. Right. And we try to, you know, look at some of their data as far as the forecasting to, to, to see if we're on target when it comes to the uh, reappraisal. And... I want to really give this team a, a shout it out because they have done a, a really great job on trying to scrub these numbers. Because we scrubbed them two and three times before we we put them out, but you know, and everybody, you know, I, I've been, we've been getting a lot of calls, and and of course, I and, and we expected that. But what we did was, uh, even before the real appraisal came out in 2018, we started visiting all the d different mayors of the municipality, letting them know it's coming. Okay. That, that your property values probably go up between 20 and 30 percent. So we try to get everybody prepared, and also what we have done is in our call center, our action center, we have uh, put in some robust procedures so that when you call our, when you call here, you will be helped, and we will be helping you if you want to do an appeal or whatever we can do to answer some of your questions to make sure that, because our goal is to access your home at a fair and equitable value so that, you know, you will not be burdened. You know, so the bird would not fall on the average homeowner. Okay. And, of course, out here, our motto is we value people over property. Absolutely. Okay, so um, it sort of leads me into my next question. I um, mean, okay. you sort of broke it down pretty well. Um, how do you actually assess the property? I mean, in terms of, as, as you say, we're on a four-year cycle. Okay, so XX was four years ago, XXX, you know, to now. What are you looking for? Okay, so normally what we're looking for is like if there been any additions, if there have been any like any home improvements. Improvements now. When I say those two, uh, uh, those two things, basically if if a permit is going to be pulled, we're going to know. Okay. Uh, because you know we get permits because that, that let us know that you know that it's going there have been some improvements to your property. Mm -hmm. So that's when we do the permits. And also what we do is is we take comps around your area because we've got a lot of people come in and say. Well, you know what? The house down the street from me is only worth this. Exactly. Well, I mean, we look. I mean, they go at a, a, a bigger spectrum, and just instead of going to just next, you know, your home next door, and also they look at the, you know, the market, and they look at, the, you know, they forecast the market to to make sure that you know there is a fair uh, equitable value that we are placing, you know, on the on the assessments that they are performing. What is the uh, market uh, showing you right now here in Shelby County? What does the market in in, in our county look like? Um. So, total uh, in twenty twenty, we did maybe about in residential. Mm -hmm. There was a twenty six point eighty one percent increase in residential. Really, and uh, in commercial, and in commercial chip, it was a twenty one point forty two percent increase. So things are on and, things are on the rise. Obviously, uh, yeah. am I correct in that? You know, chip, it's unfortunate because. You know, people, you know, and I tell people all the time that, you know, even though we had a pandemic that had everything at a standstill, guess what? The values of your homes and property did not stand still. You know, so and, and if you think about it, you know, look look back at your your real appraisal that was done in 2017 mm -hmm. and, 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 and even further than that. And there was not much change. But even, well, Wednesday, Chip, what we're doing is we're presenting to the county commission, commissioners to approve a two-year reappraisal plan that the state has already agreed to. With this two-year reappraisal plan, what that does is 
we can capture growth within those first two years. So, see, this last real appraisal, there's growth in two years, and you got to wait another two years to see what happens, and guess what? It, it could go flat, and that's what happens. So, we're, so we want to, uh, you know, put a plan to the county commission uh, by which we do a real appraisal every two years. And I promise you, if, if we get this approved, you would never see this big jump like this in your in your in your assessment or your values. Wow. We are speaking with uh, Melvin Burgess. He is the Shelby County Assessor of Property. And, you know, speaking of that, and you sort of alluded to it earlier, when you ran for this position and uh-huh. uh, you got elected, what were some of the uh-huh. bullet points that you had? What were some of the goals and the objectives that you wanted to bring to this office? Well, the first thing I wanted to do was I wanted to make sure that this office was, was in compliance with, you know, what's our actual, you know, what our actual duty is, you know, which is, of course, uh, state intensity code annotated because, you know, this office is state mandated. And the second thing I wanted to do was to uh, grow the employees that's been here for years. So we put together a career ladder program by which, you know, uh, we, we do a hire only within. And, of course, there's one big family out here. And, you know, I want to make sure everybody had, had a professional uh, career path, mm-hmm. you know, for everyone. Because I had people here who had been there for years who wanted to be an appraiser. Or who wanted to be a uh, who wanted to work in personal property? Mm-hmm. So we made that happen. We made that happen for the people who wanted to do those jobs. And you know that was that was my second goal because I'm really, you know, I feel that if the, if the employees are taken care of, they'll take care of you and they do a great job. And one thing I can say, Chip, about these employees here, whenever I go down to the state or wherever I go to the uh, DPA, with the Division of Property Assessors for our region, they always talk about how Shelby County leads the way. Uh, you know, I mean. W- this office leads the way in everything, and we get so much respect. And of course, I can't take the credit, but I take the. I always tell my team when I come back, you know that you know that that they already been you know uh, been talked about, and they bragging on Shelby County. And but the most highlight chip that happened when I came out here was we had a uh, got what you call big box stores like your Home Depot, right, your Lowe's. Right, right. So, that, so we put an assessment on one back in 2005. So they've been they hired big time lawyers and all the above trying to get a change, and guess what? They didn't beat us. So, you know, everyone within, you know, uh, the state of Tennessee now use our processes on how we came up with those numbers because you got to start off somewhere, and we were the first ones to do that. So Shelby County leads the way, you know, when it comes to this, you know, when it comes to this assessment office, assessor's office. Uh, so, um, you know, as, as, as I wrap this up, you, you talked about the relationship, and you're going to meet with the county commissioners here, you know, in your next meeting. How important is it for an office like yours to have a relationship, a good relationship, uh, with the Shelby County uh, Board of Commissioners in terms of how you want to move forward with 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 what you do on a daily basis? Well, you know what, Chip, that was a, that was a good question because it was it was trying because when we came in, we needed like six hundred thousand dollars, you know, to kick the career ladder, career ladder program off. Mm-hmm. And what that means is, you know, the career ladder program also came with like a, a talent coach. It came with professional development modules. It came with uh, like a te- like we got a person out here who's been here for years as an appraiser. So now, what he does now is he teaches uh, uh, some of the appraisers who's trying to get certification. To be an appraiser out here, you got to pass certain tests that's mandated by the state when it comes to certification. Okay. So our goal is to if you want to be an appraiser. And if you take the test and you don't fail, then we try to work with you to see what the problem is and provide you any kind of prescription that we feel that will help you along the way. And, you know, so, so, so you'll be successful. Because right now, Chip, the, when I came over here, the uh, we only had 42 appraisers. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at the, the Tennessee Code Annotated, it said I should have one appraisal every 2,500 parcels. So I should have 84 appraisers. So mm-hmm. what that told me was that by having less appraisers, uh, that was telling me that most of the burden of, of assessments and both, most of the burden is being carried on a residential homeowner, which needs to be focusing on other areas. But now, you know, I have built at least 16 or 17 more uh, new appraisers. So we've gone from maybe 42 to maybe 58 or 60. So I'm trying to grow that number also because it's really hard finding appraisers on the outside, you know, versus trying to grow your own inside. So we're trying to do what we can you know, to grow our own in, in the inside and, and continue doing the work that this, count, this office has always done. 
Well, I got to tell you something, man. I, I really, uh, I've learned something here in this conversation, and I hope our listeners have as well. You are a good man. You really are. And I love the fact that you you grow your office from the inside out rather than the outside in. And I think that, that to me, is what is what sets you apart. So um, I want to thank you very much for taking some time out um, to come on the show, to explain to us kind of what this process is all about. And, man, you are welcome back anytime. I appreciate you, Chip. I really, and it's good talking to you again. And thank you. And again, you know, I'll let, let, I want everyone to know. You know, I, we stress. You know, if you get your, you know, assessment in the mail, if, if you don't agree, we got a call center that's ready to take your, you know, your questions to make sure we get the answer. Not just that. Even we're going to help you with the appeal process because we've been getting a lot of uh, having a lot of meetings with like the movie co theaters, Malco, because they're they're saying, hey, look, you know, we've been closed for almost a year. Uh-huh. So you know, how do we, you know, then now your assessment comes on that you expect us to pay it? Well, we said, look, come here and we'll show you how to do an appeal, take it to the board of equalization, and hopefully we can think work, you know, think we can make things be better and try to provide some kind of relief, not just for them, but also for people who own restaurants yeah. and other businesses. Absolutely. Melvin, thank you so much for, for for taking time to talk to us, man. And I'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks, Chip. I'll take care. Hey, buddy. All right. Well, that was a very, very good conversation uh, with uh, Melvin Burgess. He is the uh, Shelby County Assessor of Property. Uh, and thank you for, uh, thank you, Melvin, for uh, coming on the show and explaining this to us. Break number two leads to guest number two. Uh, when we come back off this quick break, uh, we are going to talk to Mauricio Calvo, from uh, le- uh, leadership, uh, from uh, I'm sorry, I've I've, I've lost all my uh, uh, Latino Memphis. <laughs> you lose a brain cell every now and again when you start talking about WAP and other things. But anyway, this is real talk. I'm Chip, and uh, <laughs> we'll be right back. If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. Memphis. You can keep the soul of Memphis alive by supporting WYXR. Donate at WYXR.org. All donations are tax deductible as WYXR is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. WYXR is brought to you in part by Archer Malmo, a Memphis-based marketing, digital, PR, and branding agency. Archer Malmo believes the greatest asset of any creative entity is its people and proudly supports WYXR for lifting up Memphis voices for the world to hear. More at ArcherMalmo.com. Are you interested in sponsoring the show and want to support WYXR at the same time? To find out how, email us at sponsorships at WYXR.org. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. And welcome back to Real Talk Memphis, the radio podcast. I am your host, Chip Washington. And uh, when we were speaking about this at the uh, beginning of the show, um, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, our Hispanic brothers and sisters and our Latinx population as pertains to COVID. And, of course, uh, you know, they have, uh, many of them, you know, have unfortunately lost their lives um, and have been hit hard by this epidemic. Uh, but right now we have vaccines that are on the way, but there still seems to be a bit of hesitation in reference to that. So I wanted to bring my friend on to talk a little bit about this. He is Mauricio Calvo. He is the executive director of Latino Memphis. And Mauricio, thank you so much for coming on tonight. 
Hey, Chip, thanks for having me, uh, and thank you for doing this good work. Uh, I hope everybody's doing well. Absolutely, absolutely that. So, you know, you and I were chatting uh, a bit uh, over the weekend and talking about this, and it does seem to be, uh, I don't know, I guess, I don't know if this is a fair word, a disconnect, or at least, I don't know, maybe it's a, it's, it's about trust, but uh, you were telling me there are several variables uh, that the population um, is sort of dealing with in reference to perhaps why they are not as enthusiastic about getting uh, tested for COVID or the vaccination process. Kind of break that down for me, if you will. Well, Chip, I mean, right on. I mean, the issue is communities of color and low and moderate income communities. I mean, even even rural people, I mean, we're, people are facing these challenges. And you're right, uh, some of them are barriers. Some of them are misinformation, lack of information, uh, cultural issues, religious issues, you name it. And, and you know, this is, this is uh, to, to make things more complicated, as we know, uh, black, brown, and, and white folks that are still working in crowded conditions, um, you know, very in close proximity to each other, yeah. uh, and, 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 you know, living in, in multi-generational families, mm-hmm. small apartments. These people, I mean, we said, I, I, you heard me say this before, People cannot afford to quarantine. People cannot afford to stay home. So all of those things are piling up. Yeah. Uh, I have to say some things. We also have to celebrate progress, and we have to celebrate the things that are working. But I want to tell you about some of the things that we're facing. Um, the, the, some of the challenges are you know, how do people make an appointment for the vaccine? Mm-hmm. How do people understand if they're in group A, B, B1, C? I mean, some of those things are complicated yes. for most people. Imagine now if, if English is not your first language, or if you don't even speak much of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, so there there are some 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 issues, uh, cultural issues. Some people, uh, it's not secret. I have historical reasons. I'm very very mindful, like the African American community having you know that terrible story from Alabama years ago, but still very vivid. Right? And today, many Latinx people are feeling like I don't know. I don't know if if I if I'm eligible for this. I don't know if this is real. Some some religious leaders. Uh, are saying some, you know, some different things about this issue that I personally don't support, that I feel that it's, you know, I think we have to look at the science. We have to look at the numbers. Our communities are getting sick. Our communities are dying. What we need to do is we all need to, you know, get rid of all these conspiracy theories. We need to look at the data. Um, And I know all of us, many of us have reservations. We just need to get those shots in the arms and we need to get moving. Speaking with Mauricio Calvo, he is the executive uh, director of Latino Memphis. And Mauricio, you you raised a very good point. So I guess my simple question to you is, um, yeah, I know that a lot of it has to do with education and and even trust. But how do you break through? How do you break through? You know, you were telling me there are so many different cultures, you know, you know, in the midst of, of one big rainbow. I mean, how do we break through? How do we how do we tell folks that? You know, we really need you to take these, you know, tests. We really need you to take these vaccinations. Well, so it's going to take all of us to get out of this. And it's going to take targeted targeted messaging to different communities. I'll, I'll put it to you. I mean, I, I love this show because it's, you know, straight talk, real talk. Look, not all black folks think the same way. Not all Latino folks feel the same way. Amen to that. So right. we, we have different people. I mean, we saw that during the last election, like some Latino voters voted for Trump. Some Latino voters voted for Biden. We can no longer assume that our communities, and particular communities of color, are monolithic. Like people have different perspectives and different views. And even within our communities, there are different age groups and different people. You know, some people have deeper faith beliefs, others don't have faith beliefs. So, so we have to do all those things. You know, one of the things I was mentioning to you, there. When you think about Latin America, when you think about Latinx people, there are people coming from 20 different countries. It's, it's, it's not, you cannot say, well, Mexicans feel this way because Venezuelans feel a little different and indigenous people from Guatemala feel a little different. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might be surprised if I tell you that not everybody even speaks the same language. Right. There are like literally hundreds of indigenous languages uh, out there. So, so when we have this, you know, when we send this message, we cannot say, oh, all black folks will believe this, or all everybody is going to go to church, or, or this is the, what is going to work for everybody, because it's not. And the same thing with the Latinx community. Now, that doesn't mean that, therefore, we should just throw our hands in the air and do nothing. Right. What it means is that we have to start thinking about the different groups, the different ways of getting into this. So, and it's going to take some time, 
And it's going to take some real effort. Yes, from the government, but also from community leaders, from church leaders, from social media you know, influencers. It's really going to take a lot of us, or if not all of us, to do this, right? So, so again, just to summarize, we cannot say one message will work and one TV station or one campaign is going to be a one-size-fits-all because we know that doesn't work anymore. Are, are, are we doing enough, honestly, Mauricio, now? I mean, are we doing enough? I mean, I mean, obviously, I heard what you said, and I agree 100% with what you said in terms of the messaging and the various components that go into, you know, a total messaging campaign. But, 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 but we're not there yet, are we? No, and, and, and look, I'll take part, I mean, I'll share responsibility on that. You know, when you say, are we? Like, no, we are not. I mean, this is not a moment just to point out fingers. And I can tell you what everybody else could be doing better, but it's also going to say what Latino Memphis and what churches and what, you know, every, every group that I mentioned, all, everybody needs to be working. So the answer is no, we're not doing enough. And it shows on the data, like not enough people are getting vaccinated. Right. When you look at the number of Latinx people who have received the vaccine, it's very, very small. Yes. Hey, I'm one of them. And, I, and it's not, it's the reason I haven't gotten it. It's not because uh, hesitancy or whatever. I just, I'm waiting my turn and that turn hasn't happened yet. So I'll, I'll get to it when, it when it gets my turn. But, but you know, the, number, the numbers are very, very, very low. And so, no, the straight answer is no, we're not doing enough. There's so much more to do. And, and this is the time to do exactly what you're doing. We all need to be coming together to the table. And it's going to take... Um, again, messages, messaging from all parts, and and this is just a time to keep working together. And we're not done with it. I mean, we we have to. You know, I think if COVID chip has shot us something, is that we're all this together. You know, this this virus doesn't discriminate. This virus doesn't no, have sir. any preference. It does affect communities that are vulnerable vulnerable in a more disproportionate way. But uh, nobody's exempt, uh, and we you know we we want to learn the lessons that we got from COVID testing. And, and it took us a while, you know, to get down to a science with the testing. But if it, it was for a while, you know, we, we were just, it was just, and of course, nobody knew what COVID was, and let alone testing. And right. like that. Yeah. But now we know, we, now that we have learned some lessons, we need to get our act together because guess what? This, this thing is going to keep, man, I don't have, I'm not trying to be pessimistic, like it's going to keep coming back. But now we have different variances. Yes. And now we have to deal with it you know, economic crisis and the job crisis. Yeah. It, it's a moral imperative that we come together to figure this out, and, and, and it's an ongoing effort. Well, Mauricio, and one final thing I want to want to ask you before you before you get out of here, um, and, and that is, um, you know, I've always, I've sort of struggled with in my, in my mind in terms of how, how we, um, you know, try to help uh, develop a message uh, of trust more than anything else. And, and, and I've always thought that the churches were the safe haven for, 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 for most people. Does that uh, apply uh, to the Latinx community and the Hispanic community as a whole, in your estimation? So yes, I know. I mean, I think one thing we, we cannot do is we, it's hard to draw uh, a, 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 an exact line, a parallel line to say, oh, black churches act this way, therefore Latinx churches act the same way. It's a little different. I, I feel that the, the institution within the African-American community, the church, is, is a much more, you know, it's more established, it's, 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 it's more trusted. I think many, many Hispanics, Latinos, Latinas go to church on Sunday, in and out. Uh, I mean, some 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 Pentecostal and more evangelical churches do have uh, a, a, a little deeper relationship. But we also have to recognize that not everybody goes to church. So the answer is partial. Yeah, partially yes. Yeah. I think if we had a, a pie chart, we should say yes. There's a, a, a good number of Latinx people who attend church, and this is going to be a message, right? Uh, and but there we have to say there are some people who don't go to church, or there are some people who go to a church in and out. And there are some folks that are younger or so. So and, and and look, I don't. It's hard to say this because who's going to drive this message? It's not like anybody has. I mean, some people, if the message is coming from the government, some people is going to mistrust. If the message is coming from churches, it's going to turn some people off. So again, you know, this is this is in some levels this needs to be a coordinated effort. But in other ways, it needs to be an organic effort uh, until we get, I mean, breaking through cultural barriers is a very difficult thing. Yeah, now, yeah. what, is, what is, I mean, the reality is that because we are 
on a pandemic and people are dying, hopefully that will speed up the process and, and it's going to hit home. And, and, and I think, in my opinion, what has been the most effective thing is that all of us know someone who has been touched by this disease. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and I think, you know, I think that, that is, you know, unfortunately, that sometimes is the message, right? Like, oh, crap, like it happened to my friend, my cousin, my coworker. So this is real. So we just need to keep doing it. I mean, there are going to be, I mean, I think right now, in, even in your day job, you're going to find people who are, you know, eager to get the vaccine. And there are those who, no matter what you tell them, you know, they're not going to do it. True. So I think we have to concentrate on, on getting the vaccines out, out to those who want it right now, because that in itself is a challenge. We need to make sure that it's distributed in an equitable way. And then over time, we will get to the other folks who are more hesitant. Mauricio Calvo, uh, Executive Director of Latino Memphis. Mauricio, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. I really appreciate it. And I want to have you back down the road as we continue to navigate through this process. But thank you for everything you are doing for for, for the community that you serve. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Gracias. Buenas noches. Talk to you, man. Okay. Well, that was uh, Mauricio Calvo. Uh, he, as I said, the Executive Director of Latino Memphis. And, yeah, it is a challenge, and, and it is difficult, but when you have – uh, folks uh, who are as determined as Mauricio, uh, we're going to take it, uh, we're going to chop that tree down one limb at a time. Final break. When we come back, we're going we're gonna to shift our focus to the kitchen and we're going to talk to uh, Chef D. Uh, this is Real Talk. I am Chip and uh, we will be right back. If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. Crosstown Concourse was founded on the idea that we are all better when we are together, which can be difficult these days. Luckily, Concourse has over 1 million square feet of indoor and outdoor space, so you can spread out while you hang out, eat out, or work out. Learn more at crosstownconcourse.com. Memphis, you can keep the soul of Memphis alive by supporting WYXR. Donate at WYXR.org. All donations are tax deductible as WYXR is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. WYXR is brought to you in part by Archer Malmo, a Memphis-based marketing, digital, PR, and branding agency. Archer Malmo believes the greatest asset of any creative entity is its people and proudly supports WYXR for lifting up Memphis voices for the world to hear. More at ArcherMalmo.com. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. And welcome back to Real Talk Memphis. Chip Washington here on this Monday evening. And uh, my next guest uh, knows his way around the kitchen. If, if, if I could say that, that's like the biggest understatement like of the decade. Um, he um, has um, his culinary skills have taken him all around the world. Uh, he has cooked for some of the, the, the biggest athletes uh, in, in the world of uh, sports. And uh, recently, he was uh, on a major national program on the Food Network. We'll talk more about that with my guest. He is known as Chef D. Arthur, a.k.a. Desmond Robinson. Uh, Chef D., how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for taking time to uh, come on the show uh, and talk to us tonight. I really appreciate it. 
Man, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Boy, I tell you, you know, when I was I I, I was uh, reading about you and, and and checking you out. First of all, um, uh, before I even get into this conversation. Uh, uh, tell your twin, um, Stephon Curry, I said hello, okay? I'll <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell him you said what's up. Man, I mean, boy, if you, if, if you ladies and gentlemen, you check his, check him out. He looks just like, he and Stephon, <laughs> you and, and I know that's not the first time you've heard that. I know it's not. Because you, you, oh, no, no, you, no, it's, it's a repeat thing. Man, it's my fun. my goodness gracious. But listen, um, so talk to us a little bit about your, your career. I, 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 I was looking Kind of, kind of looking at your bio, uh, you when you went to school, when you went to college, this cooking thing, this chef thing, I didn't see anything uh, remotely on the radar. How did you end up winding around to this path? Um, it's actually something that I always wanted to do. I grew up wanting to be a chef. I was always playing in my mom's seasoning cabinet, always playing in the pantry. Rather than heating food back up in the microwave, I was a kid that wanted to put it on the stove to heat it back up. So, wow. It was something that I always really wanted to do. However, after um, when I was getting ready to go to college, there wasn't a lot of information about culinary school back then. Now you can just turn on the TV and there are commercials everywhere. You can pull out your phone and Google it. Mm -hmm. But in 2002, 2003, when I was preparing for college, that wasn't the case. So I ended up going to the University of Memphis uh, to get my bachelor's, which was an amazing experience. But um, I didn't have a lot of resources pointing me to culinary school. So that's something that I decided to tackle um, after years of working. I worked a couple of years in different industries. I worked in education. I worked in finance. I worked in a couple of different spaces, and I just, none of it was a great fit. Um, and so I decided to step out on faith and uh, do the chef thing, and it worked out for me. Chef D. Arthur is my guest, a.k.a. Desmond Robinson. And, you know, not only do you have a full-service catering company, and as I mentioned uh earlier you're a private chef i want to talk a little bit about because i got to be honest with you i've always been big in the cooking thing not not to the extent that you were but i always like to kind of follow my mom around the kitchen as well and i learned how to cook you know when i was like eight nine years old but um talk to us about the experience of being on uh, food networks chopped and first of all how'd you even get there um, well, first of all, it was an amazing experience. I can't take too much credit for getting on there because it's something that I actually avoided. Um, <laughs> I would get audition emails all the time. I still get them for a lot of the different shows um, that they're casting for, and I just avoid it. Um, and so it, we're in the middle of the pandemic. Um, I wasn't working much because, you know, people couldn't gather. So if sure. uh, you can't gather, you don't need a chef. Mm -hmm. Um and I got a DM in my Instagram for from a casting director from Chopped. And um, I just felt like it was time for me to go ahead and just tackle that fear head on. Because I was avoiding it because I'm mostly a self-taught chef. And that's such a huge platform. And they throw so many curveballs, your directions, that I, your direction that I didn't want to be on a platform that large and not do well. Uh -huh. um, and so I was trying to avoid it. But once they sent me that direct message on Instagram, um, I felt like it was time to go ahead and tackle it. And so that's how it started. They uh, emailed me, they DM'd me about it. I took a couple of days to pray over it. And I was like, all right, go ahead and do this, Desmond. Um, and I did it. And uh, I still had to kind of interview and all that kind of stuff. But after the interview, I could kind of feel like, oh, okay, yeah, this is going to happen. That went way too well. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. And so I ended up on the show. Um, and I was scared every second of the process because, you know, it's not something I really wanted to do. I was just kind of forcing myself to kind of, came the big fear that had been in the back of my mind this entire time, my entire career. Um, and so that's how I made it to CHOP. Did you, but um, once you got on the show and you started, you know, being part of that process, did you enjoy it? I mean, did you let, did you let, a, was there a part of you that you let enjoy this and go, man, it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So from the time that maybe the week out, that week out, they started emailing you a little bit more. You got your flight booked, you got your hotel booked, different producers are emailing you. You can't keep up with all the different emails. And yeah. then it's like, oh, this is real. This is a real national TV moment that's about to hit, happen here. And then you get there, um, everything from the way that the set looks to how the judges are to just the overwhelming power of, uh, not power, but the overwhelming feeling of like, oh, this is a real big TV production. There's cameras everywhere. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's COVID. Everybody's walking around in a mask. So it's just like lots of people. And it's just, you know, it was in that moment where, where we're on set, 
it's a few minutes before it's time to go live and you're just kind of like, oh, this is really happening. And so just take it in, enjoy the moment. And so at some point in the process that did hit me, like, okay, win or lose, this is an amazing experience. Enjoy the ride. Well, you didn't make it all the way to the very end, but you got close. And, um, you know, I, I mean, not many people can, can can tell the story you just told about being on, on, on a network show on this level. So you had to be proud of yourself just for even getting there in the first place. Hey, man, I like literally as soon as I got voted off, I was sitting backstage uh, getting a little emotional, like, oh, man, I cannot believe that I did this. I cannot believe that this happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many people who probably auditioned over and over and over again. And for whatever reason, this opportunity fell into my lap. And um, that was a very, very overwhelming emotional moment uh, right after everything kind of came to an end. I was like, wow, this really just happened for me. I can't believe it. Man, I know a lot of folks are proud of you, not only family and your friends and a lot of uh, uh, folks that you know uh, in and around Memphis and really around this country. Are things picking up now that uh, we're still dealing with COVID, but I think things are starting to relax a little bit in certain places around the country. Are you starting to, you know, get uh, some more inquiries about, you know, your services? Are things starting to pick up a little bit? Absolutely. Things started to pick up maybe around the end of the summer, July, August. Um, And what's happened is I used to do more uh, really big catering events, full-service catering events, primarily in Memphis, so for, you know, hundreds of people if uh, if necessary. And so because people couldn't gather in large quantities during COVID, now I'm doing more boutique catering, more personal chef work, more intimate settings. Um, And so it's allowed me to be a lot more creative than I could be for some of those large events. And so... It shifted me in a different direction, a direction that allows me to be more of an artist that I enjoy a bit more. Yeah, it sounds like it. I was going to say, it sounds, it sounds like this is really, really kind of flexing your creative your creative muscles. Are you doing much um, um, uh, private catering for uh, some of the athletes and, and, and folks in, 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 in that world? Um, yes. Yeah. So I, at this point, I don't have any more clients that I work for full time. But I do have clients that whenever they need something, uh, they call me and I pull up. Well, you know, like I said, when I first and when I read about this and when I read about you, I was I was very, very impressed. And and, and you know, you, you're not an you know, you're not an old guy by any stretch of the imagination. You're a young man. And I guess I want to close by saying um, uh, or at least asking you, um, how much um, do you want to be an inspiration to those uh, young uh, culinary uh, students and folks who may want to come up behind you in this world? I desire that very greatly. I honestly think that um, I recognized earlier on in my career that a lot of the stuff that I was accomplishing and as quickly as I was accomplishing it and without, you know, a lot of the credentials that were necessary to accomplish some of those things, I realized that my journey is just not my journey. That I feel like, you know, um, spiritually, I feel like God was just kind of putting me in position to be an example that like, hey, whatever that dream is, chase it. Um, even if it doesn't seem like you have the resources, it doesn't seem like you have the education, it doesn't seem like you have the proper background, figure it out. And because that's what my career has been. I did not go to culinary school. I did not work at a restaurant. But here I am on national TV, uh, cooking for uh, professional uh, athletes all over the country. I just got a call today. I have to fly out to Miami tomorrow for a last minute <laughs> uh, gig. And so that is truly what my life became simply based off of chasing my dreams. And so I think that I have been put here to be an example of that for other people, not just for people who want to be chefs, whatever that thing is. Well, well, look, well, listen, you have um, clearly demonstrated uh, that, that God is in the plan as it pertains to you and also that uh, you have a responsibility now for a lot of other folks who may want to follow that dream. And I'm not going to say I'm upset with you because you got a call to go to Miami to do a special little you know, gig. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to hold that against you. I, I, I still love, I, I still enjoy having, <laughs> having you on the show. Hey, listen, uh, Chef D.R., I really, um, I'm so happy that uh, you were able to come on the show tonight, uh, a.k.a. Desmond Robinson, and I really uh, uh, um, uh, appreciate everything that you have done, and I know that your star is going to continue to shine bright. And thank you so much for taking some time. I really appreciate it. 
Man, I really, really appreciated this. I, uh, thank you so much for having me on the show, and I, I look forward to coming back when I have some other stuff going on, too. Absolutely. Anytime, man. Thank you so much. All right. All right. You have a great night. Yes, sir. You, too. Well, that was a great way to end this show. Chef D. Arthur, a.k.a. Desmond Robinson, um, this, this young man has got it going on, as you could plainly hear. And this has been a great show. Uh, as uh, Adam plays me out, uh, I have really enjoyed the conversations that we have had tonight uh, with Melvin Burgess, with Mauricio Calvo, and, of course, with Desmond, a.k.a. Chef D. Arthur. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed it, wherever it is you are out here. Uh, as we uh, about to sign off, uh, as I always say, uh, this show is nothing without you. And I really appreciate it. And if you like what we do, go out and tell somebody. Uh, in the meantime, uh, in between time, uh, be safe, care for each other, support each other, okay? Encourage each other, motivate each other. Because that's what it's all about. And that's why we are here. So if the Lord says so, I'll be back the same time, the same place, and hopefully the same chair. In the meantime, I'm Chip, and I'm out. It's real.